In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. There was a young man in his mid-thirties. He had uh, everything going his way. He had a nice wife and two nice kids, good job with an investment firm. And one day, it was all gone in an instant. Dump truck, ran a stop sign, T-boned him. And as he was in the ambulance, heading for the emergency room, he prayed and he said, Lord, if you let me live and if you let me raise my family, I will love you and serve you all of my life. Now he was telling the story a couple of years later to his church and he concluded by saying, God kept his end of the bargain and I kept mine. So what do you think about that? Can we bargain with God? Is it, let's make a deal in heaven? Is it, are things predetermined? Or is there an openness? Is there some wiggle room in there somewhere that we can influence God and His decisions and what He does? Well, the lessons today seem to say, yes, we can do that. The Old Testament lesson is one of my favorites. It's the story of Abraham and God. God is talking to him about Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord says to Abraham, these cities are so wicked, there's, there's, nobody, there's nobody that's righteous. I'm, I'm going to destroy them. This is, uh, by the way, the original fire and brimstone story. In the, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Bill. Uh, in the Bible, fire and brimstone. Some of us grew up with that. Uh, so, and then Abraham says, well, you, you can't do that, Lord. You're, you're the God, you're the judge of all the earth. You have to judge justly. I mean, it's who you are. And besides, what if there are 50 righteous people in those cities? You're not going to destroy them along with the rest. Well, the Lord says, okay, you're right. Okay, that's true. But there, there might not be five. It might only be 45. Well, fine. Might, might, in fact, only be 40. Yeah, that's good too. Now, don't be mad, Lord, but I'm thinking maybe there's only 30 righteous people. All right, 30. Uh, let me speak one more time, Lord. Could be there's only 20 righteous people. Fine. Might only be 10. All right, if you can find 10, I won't do it. Well, of course, it was a moot point because they couldn't find 10, so he lit them up. But I take heart from the fact that Abraham was able to bargain with God. And you know, the Jewish people, even today, love, love to haggle and love to bargain. I was uh, in Israel when I was in college. I was in the old part of Jerusalem. And uh, they, they, the merchants there, they love to dicker back and forth. They don't think much of you if you don't haggle with them. They really don't. You know, it starts out like, oh, well, that's, that's a nice piece. Yeah, oh, my good friend and American cousin, such a deal I have for you today. Yeah, well, that's a little too much. Well, you know, maybe it's fine workmanship. Yeah, it might be, but I think there's something just as good down the street. Oh, well, I could probably do a little better. Than, you know. It just goes on and on like this, even, even today. So they love to haggle. And, and here, here Abraham is able to literally Jew God down, because he was a Jew, to Jew him down from 50 to 10 which is an 80% reduction if you do the math. And that's, that's a pretty good bargain no matter where you are. He's able to get them all the way down. I take heart in this. Um, I, as I've made no secret, I'm on the early checkout plan uh, in life. And so I'm talking to the Lord about this. 
And I think that he can be influenced by what I say. I believe I can bargain a little bit with the Lord and make sure that I, I don't live long, but I live well and then just die quick. So that's, that's my plan. I'm going to continue haggling with the Lord on this and see if I can get something done other than what happened to my parents, unfortunately, suffering and lingering. So I take heart in this story that God, can, you know, there's some wiggle room in here. A second story. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He's getting the Ten uh, Commandments, the two tablets of stone. This is where God's law is literally written in stone. So he's getting that. He's gone for just 40 days. And in 40 days, the people have already melted down all their gold, fashioned a golden calf idol, and are worshiping it by the time he gets back. Moses is so teed off, he can't see straight. He throws the tablets down and breaks them. Now he's got to go back up on Mount Sinai later. But that's nothing compared to how teed off the Lord was. The Lord said, I'm just going to kill them all. You know, the, the, this bunch, stiff-necked bunch, I'm just going to... And, and Moses has to intercede, much like Abraham. He says, well, you, you, you can't... No, you can't do that. What about the promise you made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that they would be a great people and that you would be their God and they would be your people, even though they're not acting like your people? Uh, okay, what about your promise? All right. And so the Lord repented of the calamity he was to bring upon them. Third example, the reluctant prophet Jonah. You remember that story? He's supposed to go and preach destruction to Nineveh because there's so much wickedness. And uh, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't like the Assyrians. He thinks they're a brutal and stupid people. So he goes the other direction. God has him you know, spit out by the sea monster on the shores of Nineveh. He gets the idea, yeah, maybe I better go do what the Lord said. So he goes and he walks up and down the breadth of the city for days. He preaches, repent, for destruction is at hand. And lo and behold, the people repent, which he kind of hoped they wouldn't. But they did. They were sorry. They were genuinely sorry. And they even did the, the, the sign of repentance at that time, which was to sit in sackcloth and ashes. The king, the king sat in sackcloth and ashes, all the way down to the lowest a person in the kingdom. Even some of the animals, it says, were sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And, uh, you know, I have visions of farm animals running around in, in little, you know, canvas dresses of some kind. And I, I said, I got, I got booed for this at St. John this morning, but I said, I believe that this is where those sack dresses that my mother used to wear, this is where they originated. They were called moo-moos. So cow, cows with See, they, the sa same reaction here. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's where it comes from. Chickens in little dresses, cows in moo-moos. But they were repentant at any rate. It shows, and, and because they were repentant, the Lord repented of the evil he was going to do to them. And he said, oh, I'm not going to do it. They're, they are genuinely sorry. I'm gonna, you know. And then Jonah was teed off. Well, yes, isn't that just like you? You send me out to preach destruction, and I go out, and now I look stupid because you're not going to destroy them. And besides that, I kind of wished you would have anyway. I don't like them. And, you know, isn't that just like you? You are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, as if that's a bad thing. Isn't that just like you? And, and all of us should be saying today, Hallelujah, that is just like him, to allow us to repent 
again and again and again and to offer grace and mercy and to change his mind about what he's going to do with us. So we're back to the question, do our prayers and do our entreaties change God's mind? Do they change the outcome of things? Well, they appear to. And this is not, a, this is not an out-and-out -out manipulation. You know, it's like, well, I'm saying my prayers, so, you know, now God's got to give me the, the goodies. You know, I put my, put my quarters in the vending machine, say my prayers, pull the plunger, boom, boom, all right, here's the blessings. No, it's not like that. Jesus said it's more like this. In the gospel lesson today, the disciples said, why don't you teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples. He said, okay, our Father who art in heaven, so forth and so on, the Lord's Prayer. And then he taught them not just the form of praying, but he taught them what should be your attitude behind praying. And that would be an attitude of closeness and persistence. So then he told them the story of the persistent friend. He said, so suppose you're uh, tucked in for the night with all your family. And they were probably all in one room with their mats. All, you know, it was pretty tough to get to the door. And your friend knocks on the door at midnight and says, you've got to give me three loaves of bread. I've got visitors. Well, in the Middle East, you know, Middle Eastern hospitality, we talked about that last Sunday a little bit with Mary and Martha. Well, here's the same deal. People show up, you've got to feed them something. And I, I, I've, I've often thought my mother would have fit in perfectly in the Middle East at that time because we had people drop in unexpectedly all the time and they, all, they could never leave without having a little treat, uh, you know, with a couple cookies and a cup of coffee, a piece of cake, a cup, you know, um, meat and potatoes and vegetables, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it took, she was going to get them something before they left. So he had to feed these people. They were there at midnight. He had to give them something. So give me some bread. No, I can't. We're, we're all in bed. I can't tromp over my wife and the kids and the goat and the dog. Just go away. I, you know. And he said, no, no. No, I, you've got to give me some bread. And they knew who made bread on what days. You've got to give me. Oh, and finally, he just tromps over everybody, gives him the bread. And the conclusion of the story is, Jesus said, he didn't give him the bread because he was his friend. He gave him the bread because of his importunity, his persistence, his brazenness, his chutzpah, his I won't take no for an answer, his chumminess, in fact. That's why he gave him the bread. And he said, you know, when your kids come and ask you stuff, like they say, you know, can I have a fish? You don't give them a snake. Can I have an egg? You don't give them a scorpion. And, and, you know, if you know how to give good gifts and you're not that good to your kids, how much more will the Father give good gifts of the Holy Spirit to you? So apparently when we ask things of God, it has to be things that make sense. You know, when we ask for the Holy Spirit, we'll always get that. You know, the Lord said, you, you, you'll receive that if you ask. So asking for the right kinds of things. Does prayer change things? Well, in this way it does. Sometimes the, the Lord can be persuaded on things, apparently. Sometimes there is a, some openness in this. But the other thing that happens when we pray, you know, last Sunday we had about listening with Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listen first and then do and then pray. Okay, so now we got listening and this week it's talking. So when we talk to God, what we find is the more we converse and the more we walk together and talk together, the more our our wants seem to line up with God's will for us. They, they tend to kind of become the same thing. 
And I know as a kid, uh, when I went to a store with my dad, I had been with him enough, I had talked to him enough, I had been around him enough to know that I didn't go into the store and start going, I want, I want, I want. Because the answer was going to be no, we got dinner coming, no, you'll rot your teeth out of your head, no, we don't have money for that. But every once in a while it was yes. <laughs> yes, you can have a candy bar. They were only a nickel then. Big one, big ones. Uh, yeah, you know, yes, you can have a pack of gum. So, you know, so I, I, you know, I didn't, I knew enough not to pester, but occasionally I stood there and looked like I was in need. And, and it would happen. And I think we can do the same thing, with, that our relationship with God needs to be that chummy. The, the word in the Lord's Prayer, it sounds very formal. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy... The translation is actually, for Abba is not Father, it's Dad or even the more familiar, Daddy. What if we were to talk to the Lord and say, Daddy, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? Can you help me with this? Guess what the answer is going to be? It's going to be yes, he will help you. Maybe not always in the way you think it should, the help should come, but he will, he will help you. So when we pray, we find that more and more, the more we converse, that our will lines up with God's will. And therefore, what I tell you is, does prayer change things? Sometimes it does. But here's the best part. But prayer always changes you. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.